shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Realfaith.org.au I asked Aaron one night last week to list all of my weaknesses for me. And it took him maybe, I don't know, one and a half seconds to come up with this list. Number one, impatient. Yes. Number two, control freak. Unfortunately, yes. Number three, easily distracted. I refuted that one. I said, why do you think I'm easily distracted? He says, because you don't like to sew. I said, I don't like to sew because I'm impatient, not because I'm easily distracted. So he agreed and that one was wiped from the list. Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Well, last time we heard from a very fun and genuine couple, Aaron and Nick DeVincentis, who shared very openly about some minor struggles they had in the early years of their marriage. And we found out that many of these real-life experiences made their way into Nick's sermons as illustrations at her church. Next time, we're going to hear more of that conversation with Nick and Aaron. But today, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Normally, we get to know our guests by having them share their stories and having a chat with them. Today, we're going to get to know more about Nick and Aaron by hearing some lighthearted stories Nick has shared in her sermons, with Aaron's permission, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Nick sharing very openly about their lives. And also, she'll share some spiritual truths and biblical insights. Think about the person that you know the best in life. And for me, that would be Aaron, my husband. I love him because I know him better than all of you. And knowing him, having a relationship with him was what enabled me to commit my life to him. It wasn't as though, you know, after we sort of, you know, saw each other and went, oh, hello, that he presented me with a list of, of facts and information You know, it gave me like a resume that sort of said, well, you know, I'm tall and handsome and I'm six foot three and I play the drums and I've got five brothers and I'm pretty funny. Uh, I like to sleep. Uh, I'm pretty good at at every sport that I try, uh, but I'm allergic to eggs and fish and cats. Uh, I can't cook very well, but I can clean a toilet. I like weird movies um, and I sleep talk. (laughs) You know, and I went, ooh... Now that sounds like someone I want to marry. (laughs) You know, it's not like I read that and went, yes, that is, that's it right there. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. Knowing facts and information as good as it is about someone is not the same as getting to know them on a personal level. And knowing someone closely is what grows relationship. It's what grows love. It's what produces commitment. And as I was thinking about what weakness means, I asked Aaron one night last week to list all of my weaknesses for me. I invited him to tell me all the things wrong about me, which is always a fun exercise to do with your spouse. And it took him maybe, I don't know, one and a half seconds to come up with this list. (laughs) Number one, impatient. Yes. Number two, control freak. Unfortunately, yes. Number three, easily distracted. I refuted that one. I said, why do you think I'm easily distracted? He says, because you don't like to sew. I said, I don't like to sew because I'm impatient, not because I'm easily distracted. So he agreed and that one was wiped from the list. (laughs) Number four was I was stubborn. Yes. 
The next one was that I can't whisper. And <laughs> I don't know, if I was a government spy, then maybe that would be a weakness. But, but seeing as part of what I do for a living is talk, I think that's a strength. And then the last one was that I like to win, which to me, I interpret that as um, he doesn't like it when I beat him, <laughs> which I think is just a guy thing. So those, those were the weaknesses that he came up with. And maybe you're thinking of your weaknesses right now or your partner's weakness list. Keep it to yourself until church is finished. I'm the kind of person that will always tell you if you have food in your teeth. And uh, you can always rely on me to tell you if there's something embarrassing happening on your face. And I've, you know, I, I, it just annoys me. I can't concentrate if I'm talking to you and I see something. And so I'll just interrupt people and say, before you say anything else, you've got something in your teeth. It's green. It's there. Just take it out. And people, people feel a little bit awkward because no one likes to think they've got food in their teeth and they, they get embarrassed and they kind of try to take it out without you looking, but you know it's there. And, you know, they don't know how long they've been talking to other people and they think, why didn't anyone else tell me I had food in my teeth? Um, so they're a bit awkward at first and it's a little bit uncomfortable. But afterwards, I find that when they've removed it, they, they actually quite appreciate the honesty and the truthfulness because it means they don't have to keep going on talking to people with food in their teeth. It's only... Um, backfired on me once before when I was at a party, actually not that long ago, and I said to a girl, oh, you've got lipstick on your face. And I think I even pointed and even maybe touched it. And she goes, oh, that's not lipstick. That's a pimple that I've tried to cover up with makeup. And, um, and so that was a little bit awkward, but I think she knew my heart and we, we didn't talk for the rest of the night, but it was, it was all right. But, um, but I also know what it's like to be on the receiving end of such truth giving. My husband, Aaron, will always tell me when I have bad breath and he'll just hold up his hand as if he thinks that will stop the odour and he'll say, you need a mint. And, um, or, you know, he'll ask me, oh, have you got mints? And I'll get some out of my bag and give them to him thinking he wants them for him. He goes, oh, no, not for me, for you. Have two. <laughs> and um, he, he's pretty open with that. Now, does that, does that make me feel good? No, no one likes to think they've got bad breath. Uh, it's almost worse than having food in your teeth. And, and I, I feel a bit embarrassed because again, I think, well, who else have I been talking to with bad breath? And do they think I don't brush my teeth? And how embarrassing. And it is a little bit awkward, but it's good for me to hear that. Do you know why? Because then I know that I've got bad breath and I can do something about it. If I don't know about it, I can't put a mint in my mouth. You know, I don't want to be blowing my bad breath in people's faces and people don't want to be receiving that. And so I need to know the truth in order to do something about it, as awkward and as uncomfortable as it is to hear. And that is similar to what it's like with God's Word, with solid teaching. It's not always easy to hear. It doesn't always make us feel warm and cuddly on the inside. It doesn't always tickle us and make us feel wonderful. And so because truth is uncomfortable sometimes, because it stings sometimes, because it might actually challenge us to do something or to change something or to sacrifice something or to start doing something different, people instead are turning away from truth. But the thing is that when people do that, it doesn't do anyone any good. A couple of weeks ago, I came home from work on a Saturday uh, I'd worked most of the day at the stadium, at the kiosk there. And I'd asked Aaron to do um, the floors for me in the morning before I left for work. And when I came home, Aaron was not there and the floors had not been done. 
And then I went into the kitchen and I saw some dirty dishes in the sink. And I rang him because he wasn't there. Um, Where are you? Oh, I'm just at a friend's house in the pool. Because it was hot and it was a really hot day that Saturday. And I thought, hmm, I got a bit upset. Got a little bit angry. In fact, I probably got a lot angry. And I started washing the dishes because that's what you should do when you're angry is wash dishes. (laughs) And as I'm standing there washing the dishes, you know, I started thinking, poor me, working all week. And I work on Saturday as well. Can't even do a few measly chores. It's hot in here. He's in a pool. And you know how it goes. And as I was stewing, you know how you stew over this stuff? As I was stewing over how I was going to express all of this to him when he came home, this verse just popped into my head from out of nowhere. You know that one in Philippians that says, do everything without complaining or arguing? (laughs) Yeah, that's in the Bible. And, And I thought, oh, come on. Surely this is an appropriate time to complain. Um, But then again, it just popped in and and the word everything was in capital letters and had lights all around it, you know, meaning everything like doing the dishes and doing the floors without complaining or arguing. And God's timing is very annoying a lot of the time, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. And this was annoying for me because this verse was telling me to deny myself. Deny my anger and frustration and self-pity and and self-righteousness. But I didn't want to because I had a good case going for me. And you don't always have a good case going for you. I wanted to make the most of it. But I had just, this was Saturday and I had just spoken at youth the night before about obeying the Word and obeying all of it, not just the bits that we like, but all of it. And I thought, well, it's too early in the week to be a hypocrite now, isn't it? can't tell them all to obey the Bible if I'm not going to. And so as much as I didn't want to, I made a decision to obey the Holy Spirit and to obey the Word and I denied myself. The anger, the frustration, the self-pity, self-righteousness, I denied it. And Aaron came home, I didn't say anything. And I'd done the dishes and I'd done the floors and I didn't tell him that I did and I didn't argue and I didn't complain. And you know, it was a little bit hard at first, but after about an hour or so, I sort of walked into the kitchen and I looked at the sink and I went, oh yeah, I was really angry about those dishes about an hour ago. And it's like it just went away. All the feelings that I had and all the um, all that poor me, it just went away. It, all of a sudden, it didn't matter. I didn't care anymore. And I'm not saying I'm never going to care about dishes and floors, but that day... At that moment, the Holy Spirit asked me to deny myself. And in the end, that worked out in both our best interests because I didn't have to get angry and yell and Aaron didn't have to get yelled at. (laughs) It worked out for the best. Well, today we're hearing Nick DiVincentis sharing some stories about her and her husband, Aaron, that were taken from her sermons at Life Ministry Centre on the east side of Melbourne. We should say that Nick wants to make it very clear that the Saturday she was talking about was quite the exception, and that Aaron is usually quite mindful of helping out with the chores. So we don't want to leave you with the wrong impression about good old Aaron. Next, we'll hear more of Nick's stories when we return right here on Real Faith. 
The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today we're doing things a bit differently. Normally, we get to know our guests by chatting with them, but today we're hearing bits and pieces of Nick DeVincentis sharing some stories about her and her husband, Aaron, that were taken from her sermons at her church. And as we've been hearing, it's quite clear that she doesn't mind being very real about things she's struggling with and is very authentic, something I find very refreshing. Now, here's more of Nick sharing openly about her and her husband, Aaron's life. So I have a question for everyone. Where are you the real you? Where do you feel the most comfortable being yourself? Now, I can't answer on behalf of everyone, but I would suggest that home is the place where we feel we can be the most real and the most ourselves because our homes are safe and they're familiar and hopefully they house the people that we love and trust the most and so we're not afraid to be real in front of them. Home is where you're going to put your feet on the furniture and take a swig out of the bottle from the fridge without using glasses. I love doing that. Who loves doing that? It's where you are messy. Home is where if you have an itch, you scratch it, regardless of who's around to see. Home is where those bodily functions operate the most freely. Home is where you might put on really dorky music like ABBA and dance around the lounge room. And home is where you are going to let your emotions and your moods come out in full swing. Because most of the time, we feel the most comfortable being ourselves and being who we really are at home. Except, except for when people come over. Because when people come over and when you have visitors, you clean up and you dress nicer and you do your hair and you don't stand there taking swigs out of the bottle at the fridge and then offer them a swig out of the same bottle. (laughs) Hopefully you use glasses and you don't suggest a group dance party to ABBA before you sit down and eat your meal. In fact, when people are at your house, you can sometimes go over the top to make sure you present a good image to them even if it's not completely real. Aaron and I run a life group together on a Wednesday night at our house and we had the first one for the year a few about a month ago and we had everyone over for dinner which we've done a few times and we really like doing that. And we had hamburgers. I made hamburgers myself, made them from scratch. And I said to Aaron after he got out of his tracksuit pants and before everyone came over, I said, Aaron, it would be really nice tonight if while everyone was eating, you complimented me on the hamburgers and told everyone... (laughs) How delicious you think they are. (laughs) Now, Aaron hadn't tasted the hamburgers, so he had no idea what they were going to be like, but I said to him, you tell everyone they're good regardless. (laughs) And... And obviously that's really embarrassing and that's really pathetic and I'm quite well aware of this, but that's the real me. And I asked Aaron to do really stupid things like that. And Aaron actually said, yeah, all right, I'll do that. (laughs) 
He probably wasn't listening. But anyway, I thought, great, we're going to have a really good night and everyone's going to come to Life Group and they're going to be really excited that we're the leaders and they're going to think we're such a great, encouraging, loving, supportive couple that always compliments each other. (laughs) Anyway, we're sitting at the table eating and most people have finished and a few people have said, oh, Nicole, these hamburgers are really nice. And I'm like, thanks, thanks. But Aaron hadn't said anything yet, and we were sitting at opposite ends of the table, so I couldn't like, nudge him or kick him like I normally would to remind him. So I thought, oh, I better just say something. So I said, Aaron, sweetheart, you've cooked these burgers so lovely, because he cooked them on the barbecue, thinking that'll trigger him to say, yes, but darling, the only reason I cooked them so well is because you made them so well. Mmm, they're delicious. They're the best I've ever had. But he didn't say that. <laughs> He just said, yeah, thanks, and kept, <laughs> kept talking to whoever he was talking to. So that didn't really go according to plan, um, and I was a bit annoyed, but we had a little talk about it after everyone left, <laughs> and, and I realised that I was asking Aaron to be fake and to present an image that wasn't real, because it's not a real compliment if you've been told you have to say it, is it? <laughs> And I don't want Aaron's compliments to be fake. I want them to be real. And being fake and putting on masks and pretending is not what being a Christian is about, no matter who's around or who we're trying to impress. For those that remember my name before I was married, I was a Felzon, F-A-L-Z-O-N. Not hard, it's not complicated. No hyphens, no spaces, no little thingies, you know, at the top. Um, and so you'd think it would be easy, you know, easy to pronounce, um, but it wasn't. And I hated my last name as a kid. Hated it, hated it, because it was so unusual. Um, and no one likes to be unusual. And people just said it wrong all the time. They, they said fells on, fell, as you know, F-E-L, and, and fell zone with an E on the end, like calzone. And so right from when I was a little girl up until like my early 20s even, I dreamed and imagined of marrying a man that would give me a name like Smith or Jones or Williams, something Australian, something normal, something that was easy to say and and people couldn't get it wrong. And that wasn't the case, obviously. And I got the name Devencentis, which is probably worse in terms of spelling and pronunciation and being foreign than Felzon. And now when people ask me my name, I don't even say it. I just start spelling it. D-E space capital V. What space? Big B, small V. And um, it's quite an ordeal. And I remember when Aaron and I first started going out and I was telling my nunu, my Italian grandfather, about him. And he said to me, first thing he said was, is he Italian? (laughs) You know, my mum's not Italian, but it's really important that all the grandkids marry Italian people. And I said, well, yes, his father is. And he says, what's his name? And I said, it's Stephen Sentis. And he says, I don't know any Stephen Sentis in the whole of Italy. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, you haven't been there for a while. Maybe, you know, maybe you don't know every name. He says, I know them all. And there is no one called Stephen Sentis in Italy. <laughs> and he says, write it down for me. So I wrote it down and he laughed at me. He said, that's not Stephen Sentis. That's Stephen Centes. I know them, they are okay. And um, so I got his blessing and he's now very happy with Aaron. But I've come to realise over the years that the name Devon Centres is, is actually quite a well-known, famous kind of name, not just in Italy, but in 
this area, particularly in Lilydale. A few months ago, I went to the doctor and um, I had to see someone I don't normally see because it was a last minute appointment. Anyway, I'm waiting and the doctor comes out and he calls my name. He probably said it wrong. And, you know, I've never met him before and he's never met me before. And anyway, we're walking to his room and before we even get to his room, he turns around and he says to me, Devon Sentis, you're related to that doctor in Lilydale. And he said their name. And I said, um, oh, I don't know. I said, maybe. I said, I don't know that person, but it's, you know, it's my husband's name and I know that there are Devon Sentis scattered all over Lilydale. So possibly, maybe, I don't know. And he laughed and he said, I know exactly how you feel. My name is Imran Khan. And everyone thinks I'm related to Imran Khan, but I'm not. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, just give me some antibiotics and let me get out of here. But the doctor knew the name Devon Sentis. Now, I don't know whether it was a connection or not, but he knew of the name. But Devon Sentis represents more than just a long, hard-to-spell Italian name. It tells of my identity. It tells of who I belong to, who I am, and what I represent. And I've become quite proud of that name, despite my initial fears, you know, and (laughs) disappointment. Um, (laughs) I've grown to love it because of who I belong to. And as Christians, the name that we bear... The name of Jesus tells others a lot about who we belong to, about who we are and what we represent in our lives. We, Aaron and I, as Christians, we represent Christ in our lives. And when we became followers, when all of us became followers of Jesus, we took upon ourselves the name of Jesus because we entered into a new family. Just like when I became a Felzon, I entered into a new family called Devon Centres. When we became followers of Jesus, we entered into a new family. And if the church is God's house and we're church family, then technically church is our home. It's that place where we're supposed to be our real selves, where we're supposed to feel comfortable with being who we really are. And whether it's in life groups or whether it's with an accountability group or whether it's just with one other person, we need some sort of avenue where our relationships are not shallow or surface level. We need some avenue where we can be real with other Christians, where we can pray real prayers with each other and not be shallow in in that sort of stuff. And even though for us, being real and being vulnerable can seem really scary, we've got to remember Jesus is not afraid of our realness. Our mess does not scare him in the slightest. Do you know why? Because he's real. He was a real man who lived in a real world who dealt with real temptations and real issues. He gets our realness. Jesus hung out with real people. He hung out with broken people, with people with messy lives. He didn't hang out with people that looked like they had it all together or pretended to have it all together. And so the encouragement that I hope everyone gets today is that we can drop the act and we can put away our masks. That was Nick DeVincenta sharing very openly and honestly about her and her husband Aaron's life and about the importance of being real before God. I think that's a good reminder for all of us not to put on masks and pretend we have it all together when we don't. We can be real and authentic to each other 
and in our relationship with God. Nick was sharing at Life Ministry Center, or LMC, on the east side of Melbourne, where she serves as a pastor. And we want to thank LMC for providing the bits and pieces from her sermons that we heard today. Also, we want to invite you to join us again next time when we'll get back to our normal format and hear a conversation. Nick and her husband, Aaron, will be back in the studio to share more of their story. This time, things will take a more serious turn as we'll hear about some severe health challenges Nick has gone through and how their faith has helped them on that journey. I would often go to a lot of hospital appointments, a lot of doctor's appointments. I'd spend a lot of time in the car driving back and forth from appointments and I'd be very emotional and very upset and I'd be thinking the worst, but I would put on worship music and I would just praise. And and I remember saying to someone that my tears were loud and so I'd turn up the volume even louder to drown out my tears and to drown out my thoughts. And it became a real weapon for me is to just praise God because it was all I could do. That's coming up next time when we'll hear more of Aaron and Nick's story. Until then, I'm Eric Scadabo. So long and God bless. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.